Do not pull down on the safety bar, please. I will lower it for you. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we're your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode, we'll focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at MouseMadnessPod or send us an email at MouseMadnessPodcast at gmail.com. Kyle, we back. We got some really, really difficult work. I'm looking forward to it, but I'm also already really sad because I know we're going to have to make some incredibly tough decisions. And last episode, we didn't have to make a ton of them, but coming back to be put to work is our guest host, Mandy. Mandy, welcome back to Mouse Madness. Thanks. I'm happy to be back. I uh, I hope that last week didn't give you the assumption that this is how it's going to be for this episode because we're ready to go to war, I think. This is going to be tough. Oh, it's going to be spicy. I'm so excited for the hot takes. <laughs> takes will be hot. I can tell you that. I can tell you that. Well, Chris, uh, let's go ahead and uh, talk a little bit of Spoonful of Sugar. It's uh, It wouldn't be Mouse Madness without it. So what are you drinking over there this week? Oh, uh, well... I decided to go back, Kyle. Where's he going? I decided to go back to the rum. Oh, boy. We back, baby. We out here <laughs> with my nice dark rum, and I poured myself a nice refreshing rum and Coke mm. for this episode. Classic. Kyle, what you got? Uh, I, uh, I'm switching it over to beer this week. I grabbed a little Fort Point Villager, San Francisco IPA, so... Yeah, I, I'm keeping it light, still with the summer theme out here and and trying to keep it cool. We just made it through opening day and opening week, so I'm feeling good. I'm feeling ready, and I got beer in hand. Mandy, what you got this week? I have one of my favorite red wines from the South Bay. It's called 22 Pirates. Uh, so in theme, drink up me hearties, yo-ho. Let's do I'm this. Sorry. What was this? <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, this is like that's like a Barbosa drink. Not, oh, it, yeah. not just any pirate is out here drinking wine. No. It's it's Barbie himself. Yeah, that artwork and every cork has the name of a different pirate featured in the artwork. It's beautiful. Ooh, love it. All right. Well, if I know what I'm adding to my next Google search here, uh, I need that immediately. So before we get back into the bracket, just a reminder for everyone, the demographic we surveyed for the seating of this bracket was YouTube commenters using quarantine humor to generate likes on ride POV videos. Shame on you for them <laughs> quarantine jokes. They're, they're tired. I, I don't ever want to see another YouTube comment on a ride POV that says, like if you're listening because of quarantine. No. Absolutely not. We are, we're too far into this to still be dealing with those jokes, okay? Get off YouTube. Enjoy the POV. Stay out of the comments. We don't need it. But we did need you for this one, and we have narrowed it all down to our final eight matchup here. On one side of the bracket, we got the number one Pirates of the Caribbean versus the number nine Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. Down below that, we have the number four Space Mountain versus 
the number five Indiana Jones adventure. Let's hop over to the other side of the bracket where it is the number two Haunted Mansion versus number 10 Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. And rounding out our final eight matchups, it is the number 14 Matterhorn versus number six, It's a Small World. Chris, this first matchup, Pirates vs. Tiki, is going to be painful and to procrastinate on my pain i'm going to pass it to you you are going to start off on this bracket i think for some of these matchups this one in particular i think we need to make these conversations <laughs> as opposed to like creating arguments and responding to arguments like we normally do because so many of these can go any way you like so i'll start with a question i guess what is your favorite tiki room number you only had to choose one yeah mine's uh let's all sing like the birdies sing as much as i like the the big opening uh in the tiki room i there's i have a soft spot for sing like the birdies sing what about that number is particularly appealing to you uh i think the call and response is fun i think that's a really fun part of the attraction itself uh to get the audience involved in a way that's not just watching these robot birds sing they're they're encouraging you to sing with them and depending on what crowd you're in they're either really into it or not many people are singing at all but i enjoy it i enjoy singing it it's it's fun and it also sets up for rosita kicking it out the tropical hideaway yeah something that i think is really cool about that number in particular is just the way that the music and the show elements work in harmony with each other it has this beautiful fountain jet stream magically going up and hitting the ceiling uh as a child seeing it do that you're just like what mm-hmm. like how is this happening and it's got this kind of like very whimsical like right as it gets higher and higher and then all of the birds come down from the ce- ceiling and they do this number and this is a waltz yeah I am a sucker for a good waltz, and this is absolutely one of them. I think my favorite number in the entire Tiki Room attraction is still just the the original. Mm-hmm. Um, something about the wit yeah. of the four host birds is just extremely enjoyable to me. Their, their banter is great. Um, obviously, you've got the incomparable Thurl Ravenscroft in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the way that they go back and forth before the show starts, during that first number, all of the puns and the wordplay, uh, it's just, it's so great. It feels really smart. I also get a lot of enjoyment out of the, like, totem bit. Yeah. Which is a little bit scary, <laughs> I think, uh, when the little totem faces start coming alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a little bit intense. Your heart kind of starts pounding and you're like, what the heck is going on but in that moment your focus is drawn to the outside of the room whereas up until that point like it's kind of been drawn to the center of the room or maybe to like the other wings but in this moment you're you're very much drawn to this 360 degree performance that's happening around you with all of these little faces moving and in that moment you catch a glimpse of the rain that's also happening outside of the window right. and i think that in that moment you achieve full immersion full attraction immersion because 
you really feel like you're in this rainstorm that has been brought on by this tribal chanting. Totally. I think it I think it's great. You referenced last episode the high ho number that transitions the audience from being inside of the attraction to going back out into the Disney World. It's just it's so good because you're supposed to feel like you are in this tropical show somewhere uh, in the South Pacific, but you're at Disneyland. Yep. So it's just, it's very clever. And also let's not forget the line that takes us into that. I'm going to make you all disappear. Yep. So stupid and simple, but like, <laughs> man, it's great. The pre-show we kind of briefly touched on last episode. I think it's great uh, and really educational too. Attractions like this and the idea of the tiki culture can feel a lot like cultural appropriation at times. Uh, but I think this attraction manages to do it tastefully and and pay tribute to the origins of the culture and, and trying to educate a little bit in addition to, you know, just making a fun musical birdie show. And I think the, the pre-show is part of that, um, where you learn about some of the uh, gods and goddesses in the culture. Uh, it's pretty cool. I enjoy it, and you get a, a lot of great voice actors in there. Thrill Ravenscroft is in there again as well. We'll talk about him a number of times in the rest of these brackets. <laughs> Wally Bogue. He was Wally uh, Bogue. very well known at the old Disneyland Park. Pretty sure he was at the Golden Horseshoe uh, review show. Sure. Wally Bogue was the voice of Jose, Yep. if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Not great having a <laughs> white man voice a... Old, bird of latino origin but you know what it's the 1950s or 60s so <laughs> it happened going up against pirates of the caribbean so kyle i talked about indiana jones last episode and all of these different step-by-step points in the ride experience from cue to the end of the attraction where the music changes the sound changes to take you into these different settings pirates does that as well yep you go in there, you start with the exterior cue, and you are hearing a New Orleans Square music loop, jazzy, at the exact same time you're hearing an Adventureland music loop. It's like a Tarzan's treehouse, like drums. Right. What an incredible combination that like works so perfectly and feels so pirate. Yeah, totally. Get inside the indoor section of the queue, get hit by a blast of cool AC and a musty <laughs> smell, and you get that do, 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 and the parrot, of course. Of course. Once you get onto the ride, you get a little banjo. Gotta love the banjo. Little crickets, little crickets on the bayou. And then, in my opinion, the best part of the entire Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack, the talking Jolly Roger. Yep. The entire soundtrack goes quiet, except for this guy in this moment. So you get to focus on him entirely. Uh, and, and he goes, does a couple, I think it's two or three different variations of like the, the pre-drop little speech. Uh, and really just amps up the anticipation of what's about to happen when you go down that drop into the darkness. Once you hit the bottom of the drop, you get a little bit of yo-ho for about 30 seconds, uh, and then it transitions into that uh, cave sound Yeah, that is very uh, mysterious. Do, do, do. 
Yeah. A little flute action. Then, then, my favorite musical theme, when you get to the dead pirates in the bar, as well as the captain in his quarters and the treasure room. It's like you got that harpsichord. Yeah. Um, and it just... Yeah. It feels so real, you know? Like, it feels like you are there. <laughs> and the instrument choice is just so authentic. So I need some help with what happens next because last time I was on Pirates of the Caribbean, they still had Davy Jones and Blackbeard as a waterfall. Yeah. But I believe that's gone. It's gone. At this point. Okay. It's it's back to what it was, which is a dark tunnel where they're talking about let me see the curse. The curse and like the cursed treasure and and like beware of the cursed treasure and it's like uh you still get the dead men tell no tales. But then in between that when Davy Jones would speak, it's back to the original one where the guy's talking about and warning you that the treasure is cursed and that what we just saw is how these pirates end up. And now they've added a little like optical illusion in there. It didn't used to be there. It used to just be a dark tunnel, but that it's back to the original form of what it used to be. So once you hit the open water and you see the wicked wench captained by the goat, the man himself, Hector Barbosa, the man himself. Unfortunately, this is where the wheels fall off for me in the current iteration of the attraction. I love lo- I love the Pirates of the Caribbean movie theme. Love it. It's incredible. But hearing that on Pirates of the Caribbean, the ride, just something about it just does not feel right. I will say, the dialogue bits that Barbosa has, great. Fantastic. If there is anything I can say that like can stay, it's Barbosa as the captain there. Like I'm with you. Don't miss the random Blackbeard guy at all. Nope. Love that Barbosa AA. Then you get into the little village and it's just it's just chaos. <laughs> uh, don't tell him, Carlos. Don't be chicken. <laughs> okay, like that's great. But then the guy who's doing the dunking is like, where be Jack Sparrow? So yeah. It's like, all right, you are like about to murder a guy to find Jack Sparrow. All right. Then you get to the new auction scene, um, which I obviously needed to be done, but I feel it could have been done so much better. Sure. It feels a little bit like not thought out all the way. Red is there like, we want the rum, don't you boys? Mm-hmm. She sounds like she's from Minnesota. First of all, second of all, why wouldn't you just make Red the auctioneer here? Yeah. Like that would just make so much more sense. To totally. Me. Seeing that like redhead character like be auctioned off and then become the auctioneer herself, like, like that that makes way more sense to me. So I don't love it. But going back and listening to the older ride through and and hearing that dialogue, like it's cringe. It's extremely <laughs> cringe. Big time. Big time. Then you've got the cats. Which I love. I love the cats. <laughs> <laughs> the cats guy is great. The cats guy is low key like the best part of the ride and will stay there forever because there is absolutely nothing problematic He's just about drunk. a drunk guy who's friends with yep. cats. He is like what I aspire to be in this show, Chris. I just want to be like posted <laughs> here, drinking my spoonfuls with a cat, hanging out. 
entire. Here, kitty, kitty. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> kitty, kitty. Have a little chunk around with no bear, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Then you get to the pirate band, uh, and those guys are great. One of them's missing sometimes, but they bring in the actual sounds of the instruments that they're playing there. You get some solid accordion. Solid accordion. Solid accordion, some solid strings there as well. My big boy in stripes also is just hitting notes. Oh yeah. That he at one point he just stops singing and just hits one of the Incredible. And this is this is really the beginning of the Yo Ho theme. So I don't know about you guys, but I think the Yo Ho theme is like the least good theme of the attraction. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, the Yoho theme is essentially what's playing from the caverns when you first hear it up until the dark tunnel again, and then you get thrown into movie pirates. But even like the harpsichord is playing it, even the, the, um, Caverns flute is doing it just as a very drawn out and slow version. Maybe this version of Yo Ho. The singing, I guess maybe the okay. singing. Okay, version sure, of Yo-Ho. yes. Sure, sure, sure. They're they're all Yo Ho. Yo Ho, by the way, do we do we know the origins of Yo Ho? Yo Ho was a allegedly, this is, you know, one of those old timey words that no one know for sure knows the origins, but it was in Robert Louis Stevens Treasure Island. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Right. Uh, potentially a shortened version of yo heave ho, hmm. which was just a, a phrase that pirates used when they were doing something on the ship. So uh, let's say they were all rowing together and someone was banging the drums. They go yo ho yo ho yo, or they were pulling like the ropes. Yo ho yo ho. So yo ho. Oh, interesting. It's kind of disappointing. I kind of wish they were like yo. Pull that rope, like that would have been a lot more entertaining. <laughs> then we go into the burning village. We go into the uh, jail with Sid Caesar. The dog whistle. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Iconic drink. Uh, and then you've got uh, Johnny Depp. Uh, yep, you do. At the end of the thing. Wonky-eyed Johnny Depp. You've got crazy-eyed Johnny Depp, and, man, that just kills it, doesn't it? <laughs> that just absolutely kills the attraction right there, that Johnny Depp. And then you've got, like, a Davy Jones, who I guess now you have not seen. It made more sense when you saw Johnny Depp in the waterfall before, but now he's just, like, there at the end of the attraction being, like... Dead man do tell tales. Uh, and then it's back to the banger of a Q loop as you make the last round uh, going back into the loading station. So now that we've broken down every single musical and sound element of the Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> attraction, it is time for us to make our decisions. I'll make it brief. I'm just going to go with my gut here. I think Tiki Room is the more complete musical experience. I think it is way tighter I think it is more diverse. 
And I honestly just think it's more fun. I think it has replay value uh, when you're at home in the car. I think it's um, an attraction that will never get old, and I hope it's never removed. Pirates, you could absolutely say the same thing, but the you know, alterations that have been made to it have affected the soundtrack in some ways that are not so good. That being said, those changes needed to be made, but I- I'm going with Tiki here. I, I think it's too pure. Uh man Chris oh man um, I will say that once Disneyland reopens we will then be one year away from Jose the Parrot being completely cancelled I'm pu- put it put it in the books now a year from Disneyland reopening we will see a new bird that is not Jose or voiced by someone else who's not doing a awful Latino accent. I'm I'm saying it now. Probably a good idea. It's probably yeah. Way long overdue. It's it's talk about cringy. That part that part hurts a little bit when you listen to it. Funny thing, I have both the original uh Pirates attraction soundtrack on vinyl that I found at a swap meet one time and the Enchanted Tiki Room on vinyl. And boy, do I slap the Tiki Room so often. It is the listenability of that soundtrack is just great. Obviously, Pirates relies heavily on the uh, the visual elements of the entire experience. But thing that you brought up, Chris, is in the taver- in taverns, in the caverns, when you hear just kind of that like soft flute and the sounds of like waterfalls and there's the seagull on the beach and the little and the little crab that's like walking around that moment i always just like it just brings me to a place like that part of the ride is just so immersive and beautiful going through those caverns with that noise and like you genuinely feel like you're not anywhere you just were it's incredible how they can make this underground showroom feel that way it's amazing and so whenever i hear that flute it's just so relaxing and lovely um the harpsichord absolutely slaps that is one of the better parts of the yoho behind the flute for me is the harpsichord just going in my ghost pirate man just banging on some keys um yeah the the new additions, and I'm not talking about like the change to the auctioneer scene, but like the addition of the movie soundtrack to the big fight with the Wicked Wench is just so out of place now. I mean, I remember it being like, this is lit when you when it first happened in like 2006 and like it was dope. Because you did feel like you were in the movie and Barbosa's yelling over your shoulder and like, but now we're so far removed from that era and haven't had a good Pirates movie in a very long time that now that part is just completely jarring. Because then you go back into the late 60s recording of Yo-Ho and it's just like, what just happened? The storyline that they've had to embed because of Johnny is not great and it's kind of annoying. I will say that his animatronics at the time were groundbreaking. That fool looked real. He can he can still look real. They just don't keep up with this 
animatronic anymore. They've given up. All of them. All of them scattered around this ride. They're, they were great animatronics. But that comes to the fault of Pirates in this matchup here is that the there's a lack of continuity of the attraction because of this force-fed Johnny Depp storyline, this Jack Sparrow storyline. They it it was the big test of like can we throw IP into a an attraction that's a classic and everybody's like no you do the opposite and just like make movies out of them and just leave the rides alone that's we don't want the movies in the rides so it pains me a lot to not move on pirates here but I'm siding with you Chris I'm I'm gonna move the tiki room on because of that breakup of continuity and the breakup of absolute feel of the ride soundtrack because they forced us to listen to a Gore Verbinski score halfway through the ride, hop back into something else, and then listen to like tape recordings of these pirates talking about chickens and cats and pigs, and then it's Johnny at the very end drunkenly talking about how he just made off with all of this treasure first second of all like what treasure they were stealing like hats and clothes and like <laughs> rum and chickens and johnny's in a throne room full of treasure like technically shouldn't he be a skeleton like how we were just warned would happen if he stole treasure so unfortunately that breaks it up tiki runes moving on um, I'm canceling Jose, but, uh, it, it still moves on past pirates. Mandy, you just had to listen to close to three hours of me talking about pirates and how much I love it for pirates to fall in the second round here. What are your thoughts? I am absolutely crushed. Um, pirates is one of my favorite soundtracks. Um, partly just because I just think the background of the, the story is so incredible about how the sound is written. Um, basically, Walt was like, we need some sound so people don't think these pirates are scary. And Xavier Atencio, who's this animator, was like, yeah, I, think I have some lyrics. You probably want the Sherman Bros to do this, but like, if you want to hear, like, here's what I have. And Walt was like, yeah, get George to do the music with you. And there's a quote from George that, that says... When I did Yo-Ho, we couldn't have a beginning or an end because you didn't know where you were going to come out in, of the song in the ride. So each verse had to make some kind of sense no matter where you heard it. And I think yeah. George just did such a spectacular job because it's, you know, the same theme, but the amount of variations that theme has in this ride is... I, I, I could listen to this, like, any version of the sound over and over again. You know, you have the... Um, part in the beginning that's a little bit jazzier you got like a jazz flute or something playing and it's you know that new orleans square vibe you have the when you go into the past and it's like ghostly really slowed down ominous music you have the harp scored for the captain's quarters and and then you know the big vocal yo-ho um i i love this soundtrack i'm sorry to see it go um we can talk more about tiki room in the next round but i'm, I'm pouring one out for pirates one thing we didn't mention, Chris, about Pirates is how big of a part the Blue Bayou sounds play into that yeah. beginning as well. And to like transition you from New Orleans Square to continuation of New Orleans Square and then send you off into the bayou with the banjo. Like, Yeah. Also, 
the thing that's so hard about this bracket is these soundtracks are so much more than just the one small part you might think of when you think of these attractions. If you pit just the lyrics of Yo-Ho up against just the lyrics of the Tiki Room theme, we might be having an entirely different conversation, obviously. So, you know, these attractions are so much more than that. It's an entire experience that's 10, 15, 20 minutes long. So you really have to take everything into consideration. All right. Heart is broken, but I shall go on. Next up, we are talking number four, Space Mountain versus number five, Indiana Jones Adventure. I already said that Space Mountain just doesn't do it for me. Uh, After listening to both Chris and Mandy talk about Space Mountain, I still don't think Space Mountain does it for me. Uh, Indiana Jones, we talked a lot about everything that goes into that ride. I don't think that it it's going to be interesting to see if if it moves on here how it fares um some credit that I would like to give to Space Mountain is really the approach as you're getting to the attraction itself and I'm talking about the Tomorrowland loop um oh yeah it's it's Tomorrowland has its problems we all know that as Disney fans we've been immersed in that idea that like Tomorrowland is probably never actually going to be a Tomorrowland because the future happens a lot faster than they can build these attractions blah 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 who cares the background loop for Tomorrowland is also so like stuck but it also just adds to like the the theme of Space Mountain itself it's the background loop is very much stuck in the late 90s early thousands which is kind of what the feeling of Tomorrowland as a whole already is. I mean, there's nothing super futuristic about that area. You have like the Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters is in like neon signage that doesn't look quite as futuristic as like what we know today. But back then it would. It's almost this like idealistic future that even like in Walt's time they were going for. So the background uh, loop really adds to like okay i'm about to enter this like very much thrill ride that i'm going to probably really enjoy and you do uh chris i do really like and i brought this up last episode how well the music is synchronized and you went even further in depth about that but there's even some moments in that ride where like the music swirls at the same time that you do like a mini corkscrew and that's super intentional even the ending matches up very well with the strobe light right before you're about to hit the camera like there's this rise in tension the strobe lights are going crazy you're cracking back into the atmosphere or whatever that's supposed to be and then as the strobe light stops and as your photo is taken the music dies down along with it and then there's this kind of nice like heroic march uh through the exit like once it's done uh once you get back into port and you walk up the stairs, it's this kind of like heroic, like space music. So that's cool. But it's up against Indy, which is this powerhouse of sonic immersion. And even from in the queue, you brought up the bat sounds. Um, I really wish that like the falling rocks still worked and, and how they would have incorporated that in the queue, where if you stepped on a stone, 
the the ceiling would jiggle and a rock would kind of set down a little bit you got the the excavators and and the rope and if you pull the rope they interact with you and they're and they're shouting out up at you like don't pull that rope or whatever it's cool i mean this is when you talk about immersion there are a few rides even in current day until we got galaxy's edge that could really match what this experience from 94 does so yeah it's it's just great the the music is just so well done with the adventure of the ride and the anticipate and the um anxiety of every turn that you experience on this car and when it stops on the bridge and the music kind of stalls out when your car stalls out and then picks back up as you get picked back up that just makes everything feel like it's more chaotic than it actually is i'm moving indy on i think i'm going to draw a line in the sand here and this is kind of an aggressive move on me semi early-ish in the bracket but something that's really important for me is original music such an important part of the history of disneyland is music and original music at that and the fact that indiana jones is able to incorporate so many great themes from the movies is awesome and and it does it in a way that feels uh, natural. And if you didn't know any better, you'd have no idea that these are borrowed from the movies. But I like the idea of ride soundtracks being composed for the ride specifically from scratch. And that's why I think I'm going with Space Mountain here. Wow. I think it's, uh, yeah, I think when we talk about the best Disneyland soundtrack it has to be something entirely unique to Disneyland so uh, I'm I'm drawing a line in the sand and I'm saying it's got to be original so I'm going with Space Mountain which means we are going to Mandy for the tie all right so yeah I know I shared my my personal Space Mountain story in the the last (laughs) episode Um, but as I kind of mentioned in the last episode, I think this is a ride that has struggled to find its sound. Um, it has had so many variations over the years. And while I, I absolutely love the Michael Giacconi, uh, Michael's score, um, I'm going to have to throw it to Indy on this one. I just think that the immersion in the world and the amount of sounds they have in that ride it just brings you in. And yeah, even though I agree with your point that I think, you know, ultimately in this bracket, I think the original themes are going to be the heavy hitters. Um, Indy, I listen to that soundtrack just at home when I'm in quarantine. I shut my eyes and I can tell you each section of the ride I'm on. Like, that's how I iconic, take a drink, um, (laughs) that soundtrack is. Um, Even the cue sounds that they weave in just perfectly create this atmosphere. Um, so while I love Space Mountain, it'll be in my heart forever. I got to throw it to Indy. All right. So Indiana Jones will face Tiki Room in the final four. All right. So we're going to hop over to the other side of the bracket where we have the number two seed Haunted Mansion taking on the number 10 seed Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. Now, I kind of poked a few holes in Rise of the Resistance last episode. I talked about how 
while it's awesome that John Williams was able to compose an entirely unique uh, orchestral piece for Galaxy's Edge that is featured throughout Rise of Resistance, the fact that the entire ride has an underlying score to it takes you out of the immersion of the attraction. Also, it borrows so many musical themes from the Star Wars franchise, which, as I said last matchup, love the idea of using original stuff. So the Haunted Mansion, it doesn't really get a whole lot more original than that. Um, if, if I'm being honest, I can probably take or leave the graveyard version of Grim Grim and Ghosts. It doesn't really have the same replay value that I think Yoho has, that Tiki Room has, that It's a Small World has, but it's, it's very good. I have kind of an interesting relationship with Honda Mansion as an attraction. It's really been my pride and joy for a while. Uh, I'm not really the type of person who's like, don't touch Disney attractions. Right. Like, please leave them alone. Uh, if you've got a way to improve something, like go ahead and do it. But the Haunted Mansion to me is one of those ones where I would be very sad if something ever happened to this attraction. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's so good as it is. I, there's not a whole lot of ways that I can imagine it really improving. As I keep saying, I was a scared kid <laughs> when I was really little. So, you know, did not ride Haunted Mansion until I was probably 11 or 12 years years old wow. but when i got my first ride on it i was really blown away uh, i was really affected by how real the whole thing felt um just you know being in that little hallway leading up to the busts that follow you around the corner it just felt like you were in a real actual scary house but i think the thing that attracted me the most to the haunted mansion was paul free's ghost host narration it is probably the thing that made me really appreciate words as an art form. You only have to look at the best line in the entire ghost host speech. Your cadaverous pallor betrays an aura of foreboding, almost as if you sense a disquieting metamorphosis. Like, for me, like middle school kid to hear that, I was so incredibly inspired. Yeah. That like, you could speak in a way that felt just like sophisticated and artistic and fun uh, all at the same time. So uh, I really, really just loved it. Uh, I'm at the point now where I, I pretty much know the entire Haunted Mansion uh, ghost host spiel. It's incomparable. The thing that is interesting about it is that it makes so much sense for what this attraction is trying to do. I mean, we talk about immersion and how rides like Indiana Jones are trying to put you in the actual temple of the Forbidden Eye. The Haunted Mansion is trying to take you through this real tour of a haunted house. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that there's this like omniscient narrator following you around could not be done in any other type of ride format other than haunted house it's like oh there's just like a ghost floating around <laughs> whispering in my ear like duh that totally makes a whole lot of sense so um you know it, it certainly check checks the box on the immersion the ride also has so many um, sound effects you've got you know those knocks on the doors you've got the breathing of like that 
strange, mysterious, like big monster through the door, the cl- grandfather clock ticking. Um, you talked about the, the ghost organ in the attic scene. I mean, there are just so many things here. Also, let's not forget the pistons that go off when the little heads pop oh, up, gosh. ghost in the tombstone, like freak you out. <laughs> oh gosh. You don't know they're coming. This is just really a, a complete audio experience that is, like I said, immersive and fun and memorable all at the same time. So I am going Haunted Mansion here without a doubt over Rise of the Resistance. Yeah, the original music take is interesting because I agree with it, even if I moved indie on last time which doesn't have a ton of original music. It has some original themes to the attraction, but most of it is just themes from the other movies. You're right. We didn't touch a a lot upon the other sounds of the Haunted Mansion, like the expanding door, the, at the beginning, the dude trying to get out of the coffin, like asking for help. Um, Like, no, thank you says eight-year-old Kyle, like absolutely not (laughs) going through that part. I don't know if you touched on this already, but the boy Thurl's Ravenscroft is back. He's one of the the singing busts. King! The king. King Thurl. King Thurl. He's out here. His presence is well known at Disneyland, and he's back at it in the Haunted Mansion. You're right. The the use of a, a host is a super interesting concept that works perfect here it's exactly what you would expect this floating voice whose voice gets thrown from place to place at the beginning that follows you along that even it is like i'm i'm out like i'll I'll catch you on the other side like at one point and you're just experiencing everything else for yourself like that's pretty cool i really like that the the crows that are all throughout the mansion that were supposed to be the original host uh, when this ride was first being made, the idea was that this crow was going to be kind of in places along the route and it would con- it would host. It would do the same thing that Ghost Host is doing, but you would see the raven. It would explain whatever it needs to explain and then you would continue on. I'm glad they didn't do that. Don't need a talking raven in the Haunted Mansion, but I'm glad that we had like a floating voice. That just completes the ambiance of this entire ride. And then, I mean, when hinges creak in doorless chambers, you're you're the scene is set. The scene is set from the moment you step into that queue. Uh, it's I not to bring Walt Disney World into this, but their Dis- their mansion queue has its own little soundtrack that is so great, and it has. Grim Grinning Ghost themes embedded in that. And I really wish that was at our mansion. But our mansion is just as great the same when it comes to the feeling that you're in the front yard of this huge haunted house. Chris, I'm with you here. Uh, It's as great as Rise of the Resistance is as an attraction it hasn't, and we brought this up with other stuff, it hasn't really proven itself yet. I mean, Mandy hasn't even been on it yet, right? So it's an attraction that still we need to see if it's going to hold its own. Are we going to see a permanent overlay when whatever the new Star Wars saga is? Are we going to, you know, 
is it going to stand the test of time? We don't know yet. It's John Williams' music from Star Wars. To be quite honest, I'm Star wars out. I'm here for the Haunted Mansion. No, agree. I mean, uh, like I said, I don't have much of a personal relationship with Rise of the Resistance. Haven't been on it yet. Um, and one thing I did feel when I was even just writing, writing the, uh, watching the ride through, um, is that the score tended to get drowned out by all the like laser pew pew and the <laughs> different voiceover audios. So I think that the sound design for the Rise of the Resistance ride sounds incredible. Um, but you know. Got a soft spot for for OG Disney Park music, even though I know I did uh, scrap that in the last round with Indy. Um, I think that the Haunted Mansion, agree, should move on here. Big fan of Xavier Atencio once again for the win. Yeah. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, old Matterhorn versus the Small World. All right. Matterhorn got off easy. It faced off as a racist song, and we were having none of that. Here it's against a, a literal soundtrack. As Chris brought up, the ride is named after the song. It was the little, what, Walt called it the little boat ride around the world or something like that for yeah. the World's Fair. Littlest cruise that ever sailed yeah. so like, or something like that. So like the song is the attraction. I don't know that there's much appeal um, besides, I mean, we can get into the the history slightly but the facade by Rolly crump is iconic the set decoration by mary blair is the mid-century modern that we all know and love today and if it weren't for those two then this would be a weird doll ride and it is a weird doll ride until you add this great song to it that keeps us coming back every like again and again this is the rare instance chris in which the song is the attraction for me it's not, I'm not a, I don't care about the dancing children dolls or finding the Disney characters hidden among them. Like I'm here to hear the different renditions from the different cultures of it's a small world by the Sherman brothers who are this powerhouse songwriting team. Matterhorn as great as the Yodelers are can't hold up versus it's a small world. So I am moving. It's a small world on past the Matterhorn. I do love the Yodelers. Yep. I do love it. And and you mentioned something really great last episode, the, the Yeti sound effects and the recently upgraded version of the Matterhorn are just so realistic and like high quality. I mean, you could really feel that like snarl coming through. Um, it's just, it's terrifying honestly something we haven't really referenced in regards to it's a small world is the clock that is ticking constantly while you are waiting for the to board the attraction as well as the little uh cuckoo clock thing you know on the hour or every every 10 minutes minutes yeah yeah, every 15 (laughs) minutes they go around um it creates this very whimsical atmosphere around the entire attraction. It is very inspiring and um, makes you really curious as to like what's inside. Um, it really draws you to the attraction. Um, and it's not exactly one of those things where you would look at it and know exactly what's going on in there. Um, so it's, it's, it's a piece of art, really. 
um, and the the clock ticking and all that stuff has uh, has a lot to add to that. So I think I'm definitely going to agree with you this round and send It's a Small World to the Final Four. Mandy, thoughts on advancing It's a Small World, saying goodbye to the Matterhorn. Oh, yeah. Totally, totally good with it. I think that Small World is one of the best songs the Sherman Brothers have ever written. So uh, happy to see it advance. Let's go ahead and look at our first Final Four matchup. It's the Tiki Room versus Indiana Jones. I tried to send Indy home last round by saying that an original composition is is what I look for in a good Disney attraction. So, you know, this decision is going to be really easy for me. I, I'm definitely, I think, riding the Tiki Room all the way to the finals here. There's not a whole lot left to say about it. It is kind of a simple attraction, Tiki Room at least, but... I think that's part of what makes it uh, so good. Very, very easy to understand. Very straightforward. Um, you know, Indy, like we say, has so many really intricate elements happening. There's so much to notice, and all of that adds up to a really, really immersive experience. But um, I like the novelty uh, of the Tiki Room. Absolutely. Um, it, it's the perfect combination of fun, uh, kitschy, and catchy. So I, I'm sending it to the finals. want to jump into a, a little bit of a baby history with the Enchanted Tiki Room here, if I may. Walt really wanted to have a like live bird show. And everybody was like, but the birds might poop in the food. And so then they were like, no, we're going to make the robot birds. And he was like, oh, that makes a lot more sense. But he was afraid that people would think that these robot birds look so realistic that they wouldn't want to come in and eat. So they scrapped the um, idea that this was going to be a dinner thing and it was turned into Enchanted Tiki Room. Chris, that is why there is a fountain in the middle of the Tiki Room is because that's where the bar was going to be for this restaurant, like the service counter. And so they needed running water to it at the center of the room. And that's why there's running water and they turned it into a fountain. If I ever make a ton of money, my new goal in life is to recreate the original Tiki Room Bar. Absolutely. I'm oh, I'm with you. I'm with you a thousand percent. Um, so, yeah, I mean, listen, when you're talking about music, it's hard, especially in Disney parks, it's hard to go against anything written by the Exitencios, the Sherman Brothers, these folks have proved that have proven that their music can last for generations upon generations. And when you're up against an original, not only score, Chris, but song versus a more contemporary, I'll call it score, pure score, those song, I mean, that's not going to align very well. And then you bring in the special effects sounds that go along with the soundtracks in indie obviously way more high tech 94 this ride was made and introduced so everything is going to be a lot more off the wall than the tiki room however the tiki room still holds its own and isn't hyper realistic but it's still realistic enough to where you can turn around and think like yeah it could be raining outside you know it probably isn't we're in southern california but like that rain looks pretty legit and it kind of looks like lightning out there. One thing that you brought up is the like uh, the T 
Kiki chants. And if you're sitting in like any of those like corner spots in that room and you've never been on or been into this attraction, those things will come to life on you so quick. You will not know what hit you when that tiki starts chanting over your shoulder. It it will scare the pants off of you. <laughs> and what's even better that <laughs> that they like leaned into and I don't know if it's like real. I'm trying to see if the poster I have has it. No, but the animatronics are so antiquated that like the eyes don't open up. They're either so together. wonky. They're like, Wah. so a lot of the like promotional material will show that, which makes me think like think it's intentional. But I also think like they couldn't sync it up, so they're just like, this is just how it is to be like a tiki. It feels Disneyland, and while Indiana Jones has grown to feel Disneyland, and sh- the show of immersion that Disney can do especially heading into the new millennium in the 90s they're like this is like listen 1994 there's not a whole lot of time left here in the 20th century but we're on the way up check out indie like this is the future's crazy tiki room's been around for absolutely ever so the timelessness and the pure originality of the tiki room is going to move it on here for me as well it's going to make for a very interesting finals up here, but that's where it's going to go. Mandy, your thoughts. I know you're a big Sherman Brothers fan. Yeah, I am a big Sherman Brothers fan. Um, I'm also a big indie fan, but I think it's only right that Tiki Room moves on in this round. I mean, we'll, we'll get more into it as we advance. Um, but for its time, I mean, it was the first use of audio animatronics in the parks. And you have all this beautiful original composed music. Um also, a couple fun facts I love about this. All the bird sounds, which to us, you're like, oh, maybe they just recorded some real birds. No, they're all humans. They're all voice actors voicing all those little bird chirps. Um, it's a guy named Perv Pullen who was like the lead on that, doing the background bird noises, which I, I just makes me love it so much more. Wow. Um, and then another interesting fact I found out is that Ernest Tavares is a Hawaiian musician. And he is the voice of the male Polynesian gods and the whole chanting of the tikis, which representation in 1963 in the parks. Like, this ride is not always exhibit great representation, but that's a win (laughs) for it. So, um, yeah, those are my thoughts. I think that, you know, that the music and and the entire cast and what they were able to do for that time, it deserves to move on past Indy in this round. All right. Here we go, Chris. Let's toss it over to the other big heavy hitter matchup we got the sherman brothers coming in with its small world we got our boy thurl little x action haunted mansion on one hand it feels like this isn't tough this isn't tough at all but on the other hand to me it just feels like both do so well from beginning to end from cue to exit from land to land and just immersion. And even when you're in, today at least, when you're in the Small World Mall area where the little uh, extended queue and the random like stuffed animal kiosk is, um, you're hearing like that it's a Small World theme 
you've been embedded. You're ready. You know what's about to hit. There's no uh, lyrics, but the theme is there. And then you watch the 15-minute cuckoo clock show, and it's the same thing, but it's in clock form, which I really like, right? Remixes, all about them. And then you are walking through the topiary, and the it's a small world clock is going. You hear the big tick-tock, tick-tock. You hear the kind of what I'm going to call only because you're in a garden. So that I guess they did a good job, but like a very gardeny sound of it's a small world as you're walking down the ramp to load onto the the boats. And then you hop in and you're just like slapped in the face. Here we go. It's a small world after all. It's a world of laughter. It's a world of tears. The message of the song is fantastic. Original song. Checks all the boxes that we love about Disney. So is the Haunted Mansion. Only thing that Haunted Mansion does even more is take you and put you into something where it's a small world is a little bit lacking is the music having to carry so much weight of the attraction where the attraction is, in my opinion, a raised flume. You can see the carpet next to you and the music is holding so much of the weight. I mean, the ride's named after it. You're expected to sing along, watch the different iterations of the song as you go. It does the job of this attraction, but when you're looking across the park at Haunted Mansion, where not only are they taking this melody and then remixing it, they're recomposing it in ways that fit each individual scene so well. It's haunting, it's uh, Baroque, it's goofy, and then it's back to being haunting again as you leave. And that versatility, you gotta, you love the range. We stand the range of the Haunted Mansion soundtrack. It's, I just think it's so well done in, and without that soundtrack and without the way that it transitions from scene to scene, you don't have the same experience, I don't think. It's a creepy, dark building, but what really helps is the floating ghost host narration and the minor key melody and the effects of people freaking calling out to you in coffins. Like, all of that is the soundtrack and all of that makes for a very 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 good attraction chris haunted mansion is moving on past it's a small world for this guy uh i'm happy we're at a point in the bracket where all we have left is is original disney stuff um for me it's a small world really the simplicity is the beauty of it i really disagree with you that the song having to hold the attraction together is like a flaw. I think, I think that's what makes this piece great. I'm glad you brought up the, it's a small world mall because this is an entire space that is dedicated to parades as well as just being in, in proximity of it's a small world. Kyle, um, I, I do not remember, but can you please refresh me which nighttime spectacular made creating the It's a Small World Mall necessary? Which one was that? Light Magic. 
iconic, such an important <laughs> nighttime spectacular that has a, a unique relationship to It's a Small World. So I think we definitely have to point that out for sure. I cannot remember where I heard this or read this. I can't remember if this is something Kyle you said or, or Taylor said or something I just read on the internet somewhere. Maybe it was a defunct land thing. I don't know. It's a Small World is a ride that Walt's intention for was that every single person who goes to Disneyland rides this attraction and hears this song. If there is one thing that they do, they need to go on It's a Small World and they need to hear, they need to hear It's a Small World. It was an important message for him and it was something that he thought everyone needed to hear. So another thing that I think we really need to think about when we're making this decision. So hard. (laughs) So, so, so hard because like, I really want to make It's a Small World happen here, but my Haunted Mansion bias is just unrivaled. And I just think that it does so many things. And and it does so many things well. And that's what Pirates, what faltered at Pirates was they were trying to do so many things and they didn't do it well in this new current iteration. You talked about, you know, the small sound effects in the mansion, I think, last round. The one that I can think of, and this goes in with recent changes, and and I remember texting you this when it happened, the Hatbox Ghost. The Hatbox Ghost fans had wanted for decades. They had wanted the Hatbox Ghost to return, and I saw it, and the thing that... My immediate reaction to it was, I don't think I like it. And the reason (laughs) I didn't like it was because the sound effect they used to get the hatbox ghost's head from his body into the hatbox was this like pixie dust sparkle when it should have been this like hollow, like whooshing sound or something like more haunting and less like magical. So if I was going to pick apart like one thing with with the mansion it would be that also the new bride i'm not super high on either her little like puns are a little bit cringy yeah. i mean i think i think there's like fun and kitschy um i and then like the the bride kind of starts crossing over into that cheesy category so definitely don't love that so it's by no means perfect, but man, I think it does enough for me to, to send it to the finals versus TQ room. And it's going to be a really interesting matchup there. But uh, I, unfortunately, it really pains me to send it to Small World home. I would have loved to see it in the finals, but uh, I just, I have to go with the mansion. I think it means too much to me personally. So uh, I think it's a biased thing. I think it's a small world's more important to Disneyland, but I just I had I had to do it. So, Mandy, do you agree with my decision here? No, but um, <laughs> I am excited that we're gonna have an Exitensio versus Sherman Brothers final round. I think that's gonna be spicy, and X needs some credit. So happy about that. Um, I just think that yeah, um, when it comes to it's a small world, just its global appeal. 
um, the representation it had, the inclusivity it had, and the fact that the Sherman Brothers wrote this song um, coming basically a few days after the Cuban Missile Crisis. So do we owe the end of nuclear threat to It's a Small World? Maybe. Um, I just think that it's, you know, I, I think that what it accomplished and its presence in all the parks, you know, as, as being the most played song, um, that thing that Richard says about how every second it's playing because it's in all the parks around the world. Um, I think it, it does have a, have a strong impact, but let's get into some Tiki Room versus Haunted Mansion. I'm excited. That's, that is the matchup. We have reached the finals of the best Disneyland attraction bracket. It is the number nine Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room versus the number two Haunted Mansion. Chris, we don't have a one versus two. We don't even have a, a top four matchup here. We got a, a two versus nine. And this is going to be super, super interesting. So um, I don't know. You just ended this past one. Do you want to kick off and... and hop into this discussion or do you want me to lead this one off this is going to be another one where i think we have to go back and forth here and kind of pick apart um the differences here these yeah. are two entirely different types of attractions uh tiki room yeah. is more of a, a show it classifies as an attraction but i guess just barely both are meant to put on this like immersive experience for the uh passengers or the guests that quote unquote ride the attraction and they both do it extremely well i mean the immersion could not be better in my opinion on, on either of these yeah something that i think is incredible about both the tiki room and the haunted mansion they both have created this culture around them that has permeated within the park and beyond the walls of the park totally Drake Bell has Haunted Mansion shower curtains. I mean, <laughs> you walk into any Hot Topic in any mall in America and there is Haunted Mansion merch. I mean, it recently celebrated its 50th anniversary and I saw a Haunted Mansion 50th t-shirt at a Target. Right. In the Bronx. Like, are you <laughs> kidding me? There is a massive following and people have identified with this attraction and they have found a community in, in lovers of this gothic but romantic uh, fun but scary attraction and uh it's something that certainly resonates with me um i love me some good mansion merch uh, and it's yeah definitely my favorite attraction in the park on the other hand you've got the tiki room which you know uh the fascination with polynesian culture and tiki culture was something that was around long before the Tiki Room existed, but it certainly rode on the heels of that movement and played into it. But the Tiki Movement has come and gone in this country, and the Tiki Room has stood the test of time and has gone on to inspire things like Schrader Sam's. And uh, you have people today that still really, really vibe with the Tiki culture. And it's something that the three of us definitely resonate with uh, just being really chill um, and being people of the world and uh, 
So both of these attractions, Tiki Room and the Haunted Mansion, ha- have an identity about them as attractions, but also the the fan base has an identity as well that that has kind of grown out of the attraction. So I really appreciate that. And the music uh, certainly plays into that. Totally. I think music is probably soundtrack i would even just say is probably one of the most important parts of that those fan bases you talk about like haunted mansion fandom a lot of it comes from not only the immersive visuals of the entire ride but like the ghost host is a huge part of that and the ghost host i mean the haunted mansion lore dates back to even on old disneyland records before they even opened up the haunted mansion like haunted mansion attraction very literally got its basis within a, a a sonic way the haunted house the chilling sounds of a haunted house is a soundtrack from disneyland records before disneyland even opened you knew this was coming and then there is a the haunted mansion story vinyl and it's the ghost host leading these two kids through a haunted mansion and that was the whole basis for what this attraction was supposed to be before it, it opened because it sat vacant for six years or whatever Chanted Tiki Room. I mean, what is that attraction without the soundtrack? And I brought it up last round. Like, you don't have the soundtrack. You're just watching like a bird play. And who wants to see the bird play? Not a whole lot of people. We come to sing along with these birds. We come to enjoy this kind of chill, relax, like Americanized Polynesian feel that is very romanticized compared to what it was. And it's the history of Polynesian fascination in this country is very interesting and semi-troubling at times. But the fact that that has even permeated and has gained a new following amongst folks that are our age because the tiki bar culture is back on the rise and we love cocktails and we love this kind of chill atmosphere and immersive atmospheres it's back. It's back and better than ever, which is why I think Jose is going to get canceled and we're going to have a new lead of this show. It is not sustainable for Jose to be in this show. Um, Mandy brought up the great fact that um, what Mandy remind me of his name who uh, uh, Ernest Tavares. Yeah. Yep. Who voiced some of the gods out in the Lanai area and like have, having that cultural touch is awesome to include in a Disney park and uh, with the representation that you need. We can get rid of the Dole infomercial. I think we can all agree upon that in that area. But for the Dole infomercial, you also have the soundtrack that I brought up. From the moment that you enter Adventureland, you're ready for this kind of tiki atmosphere. From the moment that you enter New Orleans, you're transitioning from like a lively city to a abandoned haunted house and that transition is made and it works very well i think these are two heavy heavy hitting matchups here chris uh i think that i will make the first decision and i think that i am going to go with walt disney's enchanted cheeky room I'm going to go justification. I'm going to go with the Tiki room. I think it because not only has it stood the test of time and in Disneyland, 
because it didn't in Disney World. They put in a new version of it because they wanted to revitalize it under management, under new management with Zazu and Iago. Iago, yeah. Oh my gosh. And it was garbage, trash, fire, dumpster. And not only that, but it, it the music is just so important to the entire show. And I know I dragged Small World for it last time, but I think there there's more versatility out of the Tiki Room soundtrack. You're not hearing the same song on loop the entire time. You're hearing a story being told. You're, you're witnessing this sort of play, this, this big extravagant show in the middle of this, um, this theme park. And it takes you straight there. Doors closed. You're in this Tiki Room. You are in a tropical island, a tropical hideaway somewhere else. Haunted Mansion does the same thing, but I mean, what, four months out of the year, we get freaking Jack Skellington in there. It, and that's not a knock on what the Haunted Mansion is as an attraction. It's just, we don't get, we don't get it when we need it the most, everyone. We don't get it during Halloween. And there's a lot of heavy hitters, a lot of key players in both that influenced both that worked on both at the same time. So they're, they're both attractions of the same era. I'm just giving the major, major props to Enchanted Tiki Room for its ability to storytell, put on the show, make you escape from the, the feelings and stresses of everyday life. And you are quite literally in a tropical hideaway. Enchanted Tiki Room wins it for me. I I don't think that Tiki Room is undeserving of the crown here. I think... I would be comfortable walking away from this with either the Tiki Room or the Haunted Mansion, or it's a small world uh, with the crown here. But I really think we have to consider the idea that we are talking about best Disneyland soundtrack. Um, that is factoring in all of the different elements, all of the different audio elements of the attraction. And while Tiki Room has uh, some cool little, uh, you know, quippy dialogue bits uh, between the host birds, I think Mansion incorporates uh, sound effects, both ones that are happening on the speakers behind you, as well as things happening in the actual attraction space, along with uh, narration, music, it just brings everything together in, in a really perfect, immersive way. And I, I like that you brought up the idea that the mansion sat vacant for so many years and it was really hyped up. Um, and, I, and I think that that hype really made it what it is today and did a good job establishing it as this like funny, kitschy, weirdly kind of serious attraction <laughs> like you know uh, looking for ghosts to fill uh <laughs> but they put like a, a a notice up on the gates of the mansion that like they were taking applications for like rental space like in the mansion right. and stuff like that so uh, it, it has this this really fun quirky vibe about it and um i think the the score adds to that so it's tough, but I'm going with the Haunted Mansion uh, to take it all, which means uh, we are going. Oh, man. 
to Mandy. We've got decide X versus the Shermans to decide the winner. Okay. So one kind of question and theme that we've been circling around with this bracket is, is it a Disney Park original? I'm about to drop some truth. Oh, boy. Oh, oh gosh, One of these no. is not fully original. Tiki Room. That theme was recycled from an episode of Walt Disney Presents for Swiss Family Robinson. The song was called Escape to Paradise slash Waterbirds. Sherman Bros basically made the locals of the island they were filming Swiss Family Robinson in sing this song about how happy they were Walt Disney came to the island to film this Swiss movie. Oh, and no. when I saw that, I was like, Tiki Room, you got some issues. Um, oh, no. We all knew it. Those birds. Even before um, Jose, there was even some complaints about the German bird for being red and white. Nationalist German colors and not actual <laughs> German colors in the, in the 60s. So, uh, uh, no. as much as I love Tiki Room... You know, it's a nice place to go and chill out, have your Dole Whip. Mm, it, it, it has some problems for sure. And so I can't believe I'm doing this because my first experience of Haunted Mansion was the Disney sing-along VHS tape. Oh, yeah. The slow and, down version. Oh, oh man. Terrifying. my goodness. The trees and the trees, man. The trees. Disney yep. villain of all. The hag from Snow White. To this day, <laughs> I still have trouble riding the Snow White dark ride because she is terrifying. And so as a little child watching this, before even going on the ride, I was terrified. And then, you know, my first experience of the ride, you hear that, don't close your eyes and don't try to hide or a s spook's gonna sit by your side. You know, it just it, it cemented in my traumatic brain um it is a core memory um iconic <laughs> give it i can't believe it but i gotta give it to haunted mansion i wanna i wanna do the best moment of that version of the haunted mansion <laughs> maleficent <laughs> maleficent <laughs> yeah oh my gosh oh man all right chris well we've reached the end of another bracket we have crowned the Haunted Mansion as the best Disneyland attraction as we do every single time we're going to clap it out. Um, Mandy, what do you think about where we've ended up? Did you see Haunted Mansion taking the crown at the very end of this thing? Definitely not. There are a lot of twists and turns. Um, I thought for sure Small World might take it all, but it's exciting to see where we landed. It's always different. Opinions always change and, and our thoughts on these things, especially when you match them up head to head, are always going to be different. So uh, as always, Mandy, thank you so much for joining us for this bracket. We really enjoyed having you. You dropped some major knowledge on us, boys, and we appreciate it. <laughs> it was great to be here. Thank you so much. Listeners, you know how to reach us. If you agree with this bracket, if you disagree with this bracket, if you thought a different ride should have been at the top taking the crown home, please let us know. Send us an angry email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. You can always reach out to us at Twitter. Send us some tweets at mousemadnesspod. You can join our Discord server, which is linked in the description of this podcast. You can also join us on Facebook, our Facebook community. We're always talking Disney. Until next time. 
a ghost will follow you home. <laughs>